Hi, this is Paul Metza. You're listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We are replaying a very special tribute show to the late, great David Carr tonight. David passed away February 12, 2015, suddenly in the newsroom at the New York Times. He was a celebrated American journalist and a Minnesota native. Joining me in the studio last year to celebrate the life and work of David Carr are journalists Jim Walsh, David Brower, and Brian Lambert. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. Tonight, we are going to salute the late, great David Carr, a journalist who passed away last week at the age of 58. David was a native of Minneapolis who spent the last 10 years as a writer for the New York Times. He was also a very good friend of mine. In his obituary on Friday, the New York Times said this, Mr. Carr's writing was plain-spoken and could be blunt. He often gathered in readers conspiratorially and was sometimes self-reverential and conscience-stricken. The effect was both folksy and sophisticated, a voice from a shrewd and well-informed skeptic. In a statement, Arthur Oaks Salzberger, Jr., the newspaper's publisher and chairman, said that David Carr was one of the most gifted journalists who has ever worked at the New York Times. And in an email to staff members Thursday night, the executive editor described Mr. Carr as the finest media reporter of his generation, a remarkable and funny man who is one of the leaders of our newsrooms. I could speak for hours about David Carr personally, one of the strongest, funniest, most soulful and honest men I've ever met, but I thought I would take this chance to grab three great Twin Cities journalists who worked with David Carr and got to know the man and his work. With me in the studio are David Brower, Jim Walsh, and Brian Lambert. We are here, of course, today to talk about and to celebrate, in our own way, the life of journalist David Carr. 30 years ago, in the back room at McCready's Bar, which is, is in downtown, was in downtown Minneapolis, we had a birthday party for Carr, and someone made T-shirts that said, I'm a close personal friend of David Carr's. I'm delighted to have three close personal friends of David Carr's with me today. I'm going to go uh, in a semicircle, ask them to introduce themselves so you can place the, uh, the name with the voice, and then we're just going to start talking and see what happens. All right, I guess I'm on your side, Paul. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm David Brower, and I've known David since 1980. Uh, I'm Jim Walsh. Uh, I'm a writer in town, and more than anything, I'm, a, I'm just a great fan of his work and a great reader of his work and really felt like I knew him that way more than anything. Um, I had, you know, I, I met him just kind of on the rock scene in the 80s. I don't remember when. Um, None of us remember much, <laughs> to be honest. Well, seat in the 80s, of course, we don't remember. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, I just, I loved his writing, and I, I loved his, you know, something that goes by the wayside these days is, you know, I loved his column in Minnesota Parent. Right. That was family, beautiful. Family, that was times. family Times. Family Times. Yeah, family That's Times. That's how I kept up with him. So. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful writing. And, and just you? a great heart and spirit so and you uh, also interviewed him you have a great book out uh, that I haven't purchased yet but I will as soon as this taping gets over I'll run to the fetus and get it uh, but it's kind of the oral history of, of the replacements with pictures right yep mm -hmm. and you interviewed David for that sure yeah and, and and he you know he had a couple of really he said a great thing about the mats that I have to look that up in the book he said everyone wanted to be the fifth replacement right and he, that was right on. That was such a good description of that band. What What is the uh, name of the book, and uh, where can people track it? Uh, it's called The Replacements, All Over But the Shouting, An Oral History. And there's a companion book to that, a photo book, The Replacements, Wax Up Hair, and Painted Shoes, The Photographic History. Those are those are great photos. They're gorgeous photos. Yeah, yeah. they right. tell their own story. Yeah, truly. And last but not least... Uh, Brian Lambert, uh, another, yet another writer uh, who uh, 
Meg David, I think through Mr. Brower, um, we were all working at the uh, Twin Cities Reader at the time, and one day uh, David here uh, drags in this big, rumpled, <laughs> I'm sure he had stains on his shirt, right? and introduces him and says, uh, you know, you ought to listen to this guy, he's got something to say, might be of some use to us here, which he truly was. And what was your position at the reader at the time? I was the editor then. Okay. Desperate. <laughs> what? Someone besides Brower who could put two paragraphs together. Who was the staff? Oh, my God. At the time. Connie, Paul, Connie Paul, Nelson. Connie was there. She, I can't remember her. Was she writing? I can't even remember. Uh, she was writing. Yes, she was. She was she's at the Star Tribune. You got the Rick editor. Mason. I don't know if you know Rick. Oh, Rick's I know Rick. Laura, was wasn't Laura Fissinger writing? Laura, yeah, yeah, who I'd love to figure out where she is these days. Was, was Colin, a character. Was Colin Covert? He would left by then. He'd left by then. Yeah, this is yeah. 1980? Yeah. 82. Two, three, something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Brower introduces Carr to you, and what were your first impressions of Mr. <laughs> Carr? Well, I already described the rumpled, this right. kind of stained part. Uh, but he was he was very earnest mm -hmm. in that first meeting. I mean, he needed a job. He was working, you were both working at we the both, uh, we Anchorage. Met, we met at the Anchorage restaurant in northeast Minneapolis, so when, <laughs> when he was like, he must have been 23 and I was 21. So uh, yeah. by the, it was a few years later that we ended up hooking yeah. up with you at the Reader. I what were you doing at the restaurant? You and Carr. We were both waiting tables. Uh, it was. It was. It was <laughs> I just said, I'm sorry. Describe David. the apron for us, though. That's <laughs> what I was. <laughs> well, you know, he he had a name for it, and I can't remember. The but scales. You know, this was the, the, the right the scales. We had we had these. Uh, it was the early 80s, man, and so polyester was truly king. <laughs> and whenever you worked in a hotel restaurant, it was a Hilton up there at where uh, Industrial Boulevard crosses 35W. And uh, whenever you worked at a hotel place, they dressed you up in the most flammable, most non-natural <laughs> colored thing. I, I think... Tonight I, with the big cherries. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so so you look like an idiot. And, and I was trying to describe this on Twitter to somebody, but... Back in the day, like if you've only seen David when he was famous, you'd think, oh, that poor guy, you know, that poor sort of sickly looking skinny necked guy. Back in the day, and I think Brian, maybe you too, Paul, can vouch for this, like he was a massive guy. He's a big, a big dude, dude. yeah. And, and, right. and, and he was he was he was massive in two ways. Like he was fat. I think we can mm. all say that. But he was also strong. He was like, a great hugger. Uh, oh yeah. Great hugger. Bear hugs, man. And, and, Bear absolutely. hugs. And I so um so when we first met, it was like seeing a a, a giant tipsy polar bear mm. wearing <laughs> all flammable, like goofy monkey suit thing that we had to wear. And, you know, we didn't know each other, but uh, uh, we were fast friends because he wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a journalist. We talked about it all the time. Let's hear a little about smoke breaks out the back door. Well, of course, yeah. Carr smoked like a chimney, and I didn't smoke at all. But I do remember uh, right around the time, we listened to the 1980 uh, uh, Miracle on Ice. In oh, the, cool. In the, in the, on the radio in the break room of the Anchorage. Oh, but, cool. Uh, it, was a, it was a huge... Um, Let's put it this way. There were drugs on the scene before David got there, and then there were drugs on the scene. <laughs> but so. they didn't last long. <laughs> well, but you know Do what? Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> David We was, still have some left. David, you know, Dave, David was one of those, uh, I mean, we'll talk a lot, I guess, about the chemical stuff, but David was not stingy. He was a sharer. In terms of sharing. Yeah. He was not. Like, uh, like, uh, Let's get the party going. I keep telling my son, it's like, you, you know, I didn't pay for very much back in those days. It's 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 kind of crazy. But anyway, he was um, he was uh, really wanted to be a writer. I guess he was doing some writing for the South Washington County Bulletin. And one day, I didn't even know what was going on. He came in. He said, he said, David, my dad told me about this guy who got thumped by the Minneapolis cops. And people don't really remember this, but you know, the cops are sort of thumpers today. They were really thumpers back in 1980. Right. I mean, they were thumping gays. They were thumping young. They were thumping every, you know, blacks, everybody. And so one of John Carr's buddies was a guy named Peter Trebtoski. And he had watched the cops thump, I think some black guys. And he raised questions because these were all, David came from this family of very liberal, concerned Catholics, you know, social justice Catholics. And Peter questioned the arrest and the cops thumped him too. And his dad was so hmm. outraged by this that he said, you know, basically said to David, you know, if you're a journalist, 
And Carl was moved by what that what he said. Why did you do that? You know, was, you got this image kind of, of of him standing by the side of the road going, why did you do this? This immigrant, right? Right. Is that right? I don't know. I can't remember who the guy was. you talking about the guy who got beat up? Yeah. I can't remember who it was who got beat up, but... But yeah, but I mean, I think it was a minority or something. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, I think I think the per, uh, it might have been one or two hmm. people. I don't remember. But anyway, uh, so David went off and did it on spec. I mean, journalists uh, who are listening might you know be able to relate to this, but he didn't have he didn't have the Twin Cities reader lined up to pay him. He didn't have anybody lined up to pay him. He didn't was, he come in and pitch the story first? That's the way I always remember it. Well, you might have heard that part. The the part that that I remember is him. Uh, showing me the version that he was going to turn in yeah. before he turned it into you. Yeah. And, you know, he just basically wanted to make sure that it, this was not embarrassing copy uh, <laughs> so that he wouldn't, like, lose his gig right away. So that, that may be part of the story that I, I, I wasn't involved in or I didn't know him. But uh, but it was, you know, like it like all of our stories back in those days, it was freaking long. If you look at it now, it's like you go, oh, my God, it's like 6,000 words. So you but read he, it. But he turned it in, excuse me, you turned it in at 10,000, right? <laughs> was, was, it, was it originally 10,000 yeah, words? Yeah, it was a chunk. Somebody His was asking first me the story. other day. I don't remember That's brawling awesome. with him over it. And um, so there was no big fight. But, uh, I mean, hell, what else were we going to put in the paper? You know, another your review of Van Halen or something? <laughs> 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 I want a ticket to anywhere Maybe we make a deal Maybe together we can get somewhere Any place is better Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. Hi, I'm Frank Brown, owner of the only minority-owned union print shop in Minnesota. Do you work with political campaigns? Yes, we have years of experience helping campaigns. Do you print postcards? Do you also mail them out? Yes, we do mail them out. We print everything. Do you print lawn signs? Yes, we print everything. Choose the only minority-owned union print shop in Minnesota for all your political campaign needs. Learn more at mpuptown.com. Miniman Press Uptown. We print everything. I'm Candy Braffle, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. Come experience Nightingale at 26th and Lindale in Minneapolis for mulled wine and delicious signature dishes from Chef Carrie and her team. Nightingale is perfect for special occasions with extensive wine, beer, and cocktail selections, along with their dedication to great service. Open every day till 2 a.m. with a full menu served until 1 a.m. and two award-winning happy hours daily. Plus, there's a weekend brunch at 10 a.m. Find more at NightingaleMPLS.com. The local advertisers you hear on AM950 are the lifeblood of the station. If you find yourself regularly tuning in, or if you appreciate the diversity of content we deliver, please take the time to support our advertisers. Even if it's just to thank them for backing AM950, your voice and support can go a long way. Help keep the station going strong while investing in our local community. Find the complete list of on-air supporters by visiting the advertisers page at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. Formerly the Audubon Center of the Northwoods, Osprey Wilds is a nonprofit environmental learning center on Grindstone Lake in Sandstone, Minnesota. Osprey Wilds has community events like Dinner at the Lake, Maple Syrup Day, and learning opportunities for all ages. Audit an environmental education college class, snowshoe or ski our trails, or learn about our wildlife programming. 
We're open to the public year-round. Visit online at ospreywilds.org. That's ospreywilds.org. Life is sweet, but time is short. Keep your train on the track. When you're whistling past the graveyard, and the graveyard whistles back. from literally from the night uh, I met him through you back room at the at McCready's does uh, 10 years the last 10 years at the New York Times and then has his funeral in the same church that Jacqueline uh, Jackie Onassis had hers I mean right. you couldn't make that arc up no and it was packed it was a pa- I mean it's crazy that's a big giant Catholic shirt just beautiful and it was packed at, at a uh, you know when he was writing his book it's so funny because I always wanted to help I always thought, how can I help you? Know, he calls me, and this, this is how God works. The night before I'd been in, in Seattle doing a private show for Rite Aid, and people are coming up for autographs at the end, and this guy comes up and says, hi, I'm Kenny. And I'm like, oh my God, you're Kenny the drug dealer? Oh my God, you're alive? Do you remember Kenny? We used to live oh, yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right down the street. Shaking Kenny. Puffy. He goes, yeah, he goes, I'm not only alive, I'm a healthcare worker, I'm sober. And so I called Carr immediately. I go, God, you won't fucking believe. So I just saw that <laughs> guy. He's alive. He goes, Oh my God, I've been looking for it for six months to confirm stories in my book. I said, Well, I got his phone number now. And so it helped uh, David uh, with his book. You know, because he, he wanted to write all these stories about Kenny. Right. But he, he, the lawyers are like, Well, we got to find out where this guy is. There was no way that guy was still alive. He weighed like 106 pounds. He was, he was, you know, but it also gave me hope like this guy. Really, I mean, we're talking about turning our lives around. This guy's an actual healthcare worker. He's helping people. Right. And he survived. And so, uh, you know, it is a small world. And uh, I was glad I could help him with Kitty. Yeah. How is, uh, if, uh, how is Jill and the girls doing? You know, they, they were great. Uh, it's tough. Uh, 
you know, it's real, uh, you know, I, I think the younger, uh, uh, you know, the tougher it is. Uh, right. You know, the, the, the one daughter is just Dave Jr., you know, and so she was like, you know, but everybody leaves eventually and, and they have to deal with it. And, uh, you know, I'm staying in touch. And I, I want to make sure that this movie gets made. Right. And I don't feel I was, you know, I want to know, you know, as I said there, what we can do for Dave is to look out for his family. I agree. You know, and, and I, I always feel like, you know, if I do nice things for people, you know, if you do nice things people, don't expect them to do something nice for you. That's just life, especially in Hollywood. But maybe your kid, maybe one out of 50, one day your kid will, will be in trouble or whatever. And uh, I, 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 I think they're, you know, they also their dad. I mean, and their dad was, it was, it was, it was a fun dad and, I noticed that I danced more with my son than before. We always were silly, but I heard how much he danced with his kids and how much he just loved on them. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to take that for granted, but, you know, they have to go through their, what they go through. And, you know, I, I, on the one hand, my son's 22 months. If it happened now, you know, these kids are in their 20s and, you know, but it's still their, their dad and it's still their son. And, uh, and, and I have to say this too. When I found out it was lung cancer, you know you lived an interesting life when you find out your friend died of lung cancer and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, right. everybody's calling me, does he have a needle in his arm? Mm -hmm. You know, no, he had terrible lung cancer and obviously he had heart disease. Right. And, uh, you know, he had, he had uh, pneumonia and he caught the pneumonia. He did an x-ray, but the pneumonia blocked out the lung cancer. Hmm. And it was very far along. And I don't even want to think about him going through that again. So. Right. You know, uh, it, 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 it's the best case scenario in my selfish mind. Right. That my well, friend did not have to, you know, die, die of suffer anymore. He lived the lives of uh, lives of several men, really, when you looked at what he yeah. packed in at 58 years. Tom, I know you got to get on a plane. I want to tell yeah. you personally, thank you for introducing me to David Carr. I've been so proud of both you guys watching your careers and, your, and both of you and myself included rising from the ashes in the last three decades. I look forward to getting together with you and, uh, and digging up some old car stories from back in the day. But uh, thank you so much. I know how much David loved you and how much you love David. And I really appreciate you taking time to share those stories with us. Well, Paul, I want you to know we love you. We love you too, and you don't. You, you're not a quitter, and you're in the toughest business in the world. And now you've got this radio thing, which is going amazingly well. And as you know, hey, we we just got to survive, and we got to pick ourselves up. And you know, we want to play our songs, or tell our jokes, or write our stories. And you're just like us. You just say, "Well, if this doesn't work, I'll, I'll do this." And uh, we have so much respect for you and love for you, and just keep doing what you're doing, and I will talk to you soon. And you know, we should have something in Minneapolis with David, and we should get a lot of the people that couldn't come to New York, and I'd love it if the family was involved, and do a, a, a real nice thing, and maybe you could help spearhead that. Yeah, and do fundraiser for the kids or something. Yeah, yeah, get, get McClellan involved, get some of the old gang, and, and uh, get some of the old musicians, and, and really, you know, because... I know at the end he's like, well, if I do this job, it'll be like this. And nobody ever, you know, school is expensive, everything's expensive. I would love it if we could do something we substantial. Could, uh, we could put a posse and, together uh, and sell out uh, First Avenue, no problem. Uh, well, absolutely. Absolutely, we could. Listen, I love you, buddy. Keep I up love you too, talk Tommy. To you hey, travel safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Thanks, buddy. Stay tuned to the Wall of Power Radio Hour after these messages. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. 
Let's talk about your health and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the most informative source for progressive politics and news in the Twin Cities. Get involved online at am950radio.com where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. Check out the local businesses that help make this content available and stay up to date on the latest news and upcoming events. You can always reach us by email at comment at am950radio.com. That's comment at am950radio.com. Thanks for listening. AM 950 and the Devil's Advocates invite you to join us for a Super Tuesday Spectacular live election night broadcast at the Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. 7 to 11 p.m., the Devil's Advocates will broadcast their show along with 9.50 a.m.'s own Matt McNeil and Brett Johnson with real-time results and local analysis. No admission charge. Everyone is welcome. Join us at the Park Tavern, 3401 Louisiana Ave, South St. Louis Park, Minnesota. I'm attorney Rachel Schroman of Schroman Law in St. Paul, and I am passionate about providing legal services in the areas of estate planning, probate, and elder law. My clients receive the attention and compassion they deserve with their peace of mind being my top priority. Enjoy the comfort of knowing that you have planned for the worst so you can confidently continue living at your best. Visit ShromanLaw.com. That's S-C-H-R-O-M-E-N-L-A-W.com. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight will be mostly cloudy with a low around 33. Sunday, partly sunny with a high of 45 and a low around 25. Monday will be sunny with a high of 35 and a low of 30, while Tuesday will be sunny with a high of 42 and a low of 29. EatLocalMinnesota.com's Restaurant of the Week is Cafe Latte. Cafe Latte is a gourmet cafeteria with an ever-changing selection of award-winning salads, sandwiches, and soup. Plus, their bakery specializes in fresh breads and desserts. Check them out at the intersection of Victoria and Grand in St. Paul. chatting about the life and times of legendary Minneapolis journalist David Carr with three other journalists, David Brower, Jim Walsh, and Brian Lambert. You know, he's just, he's asking questions, and it, it might be currency, but it's also, you know, he was interested. He mm, was a right. really curious person. And he always, I remember, when he, you know, when you would get done with the conversation with him, he'd always say, what, he'd say, what else? Yeah. You know, yeah. Did you tell me everything I need to know right really now? Really Irish, man. <laughs> very, very Irish. Yeah. Seriously. Like, digging in. Digging well, digging the, the crake. Or crake. Crake. Yeah. <laughs> that was Carr and his yeah. crake. Well, the other thing, too, you know, to give him even more credit than we're already giving him is, like, think about music for a minute. He had incredibly good taste in music. I mean, he could recognize a good band before anybody I knew. And so, like, one of the things all of his buddies are saying, you know, in the last week is we still can't quite figure out how this screw-up from, you know, from uh, Hopkins ended up, you know, getting a front-page obit on the New York Times. The truth is he had 
amazing talent and one of just the little windows into his talent you know the suburbs come on the scene that was his yeah. friggin band he knew the replacements were good yeah. right away he was the first guy who ever said eurythmics you got to listen to them right and and it, he, so so don't discount the fact that as a reporter he was good at asking questions but he also knew stuff you know he I was just at, was, I was good slater kinney the other night at first avenue it was just carrie brownstein from slater kinney goes Thank you, Minneapolis, for David Carr, this force of, wow. you know, journalism and culture. And he was. He just, you know, he, he had a hell of a life that way. He just, he vibrated that way. And there was very few things he wasn't interested in. That's true. That's Big true. movie fan, too. Yeah. He yeah. loved movies. His yeah. stuff on uh, those little videos he did for the New York Times are just priceless. Yeah. If there's one thing I would always, I, I had the most disagreements with him over the year were uh over the years were movies mm. um but other than that we we had a lot in common in fact when you brought up about his his uh, column on brian williams i remember uh a month before i read david religiously uh the media equation whatever else he wrote for the new york times but when the charlie uh, hebdo tragedy happened i was just waiting to see what Carr had to say about it and of course he was right on the money yeah. Paul, how did you meet him? And people should know about the foreword to your book, Blue Highland. Well, that is... Uh, which is a beautiful piece of writing. It was uh, it's such an honor to have had him do that. I met David in about 1983. I had a weekly gig at McCready's downtown. Was at the time right across the street from the cop shop, which was amazing considering what went on in the back exactly. room there. Exactly, oh my God. But uh, Tom Arnold had come in. <laughs> Tom Arnold had come in with uh, with two or three people, and Tom, of course, is working the room doing his thing, and his friends are just sitting at the table, and I walked up and introduced myself, and I said, what's your name? He said, David. And he was very, very quiet and kind of reserved, and I said, David who? He said, David Carr. I go, you are freaking David Carr. I mean, I bowed down to him. I was such a fan of his writing so it it started that night and really uh um you know continued for the for the whole time he was he was in minneapolis we we got to be uh, good friends on a lot of levels artistically it was just phenomenal because we had so much in common with music i loved writing i loved journalism and he knew how to do it um so then when i got my book deal um in 2010 i thought man if there's Anybody that I would have the cojones to ask to, to write the uh, the intro would be David Carr. So I got on the phone and I got him on the phone and I called him and he didn't say yes right away. Um, he said, "Well, they're going to have to pay me." I said, "Well, of course they will." <laughs> and uh, and uh, Carr about, needed dough too. <laughs> <laughs> and about a week later, uh, he had it all set up and it's the seven nicest pages that have ever it's been beautiful. written about me. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Let's talk. That was great too. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Well, it's now that he's passed. It really, I looked at it the other day, in my bookshelf, and I said, "Man, that's you know." In a way, it was kind of a, a love letter to me from him. You know, at the time, still remains that is even more important now. Let's talk as long as we're talking about Macready's. David's um, running around. And he ran pretty hard. We uh, whether, played there. My band played there. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> but whether David was uh, uh, was drinking or started to uh, get into cocaine, he went at it like he did everything else in life, full force. Yeah. I remember one night, Brian Lambert, uh, we had, were up for a day or two, and he had a deadline <laughs> at the Twin Cities Reader when you guys were housed at the yeah. Butler Square Saloon. And I was, I remember it was about seven in the morning and I was typing out the rest of his, his article for him. And you walked in looking like these guys are up to no good, which, we, which of course we weren't up to no good or we were up to no good. But anyway, um, I mentioned it a couple of years ago to David, how I finished his column. And that was, I remembered David Carr, the ball buster. Yeah. Good Metza, you never finished my column. And he took me to task <laughs> for the next two or three minutes. Yeah. But, uh, Yet he was always working. I mean, he never, I mean, he might have lost a few gigs, but even when he was running really hard and heavy. He lost a few gigs. He, he? he, he definitely, in fact, I, uh, there's uh, uh, there's going to be a wake for him. And uh, I actually invited through Facebook the editor, he writes about this in his book, Jay Novak, uh, 
yeah. who, who basically, you know, who was editing Corporate Report at the time, uh, <laughs> also RIP to Corporate Report, which is a great business magazine. And, you know, he basically gave David a choice. It was like, it was like, you can go to treatment or you can lose your job. And famously, David yeah. told him, you know, well, stick the job, stick the job. Exactly. It was yeah. a terrible decision he made. But, you know, I, I invited Jay to this thing and, and I'm not sure if Jay's going to be able to make it. But I, I said, you know, I, I was his buddy at that time and we were all really concerned about him because it was when it was getting bad. Yeah. And I said, I, I don't know if I've ever thanked you for that, but that was the right thing to do. You had to do that to him. And even though he made the wrong call. Um, that's what all of us kind of were faced with at the very end. It was like when it got really bad, it was he like, wasn't listening to us, right? He was not yeah. listening to us. And, and, you know, when I, again, when I talked about this on, on Twitter, some people fed back to me like, Oh, you didn't help him or you didn't, uh, you know, you didn't pitch in. I, I, I wrote something to the effect of it was, it was on him ultimately. Right. Like, like you know, an addict has to want to get clean. And, and some people are just locked up in their own ideology and they don't really understand that. But I think for all of us, in fact, you, I think at that time you were probably closer to him than I was, but uh, all of us had to face this really tough decision about how much longer are we going to hang in it? When was this? this guy? I want to say later eighties. I want to say it was later eighties, right? Yeah. I think it was about eighty-seven, eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you you might have seen him more in those days than, yeah, Paul. than I did. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to cast. Him. No, 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 no. But it, it's true, and I wrote about it in my book. I mean, I, you know, and I've said, <clears throat> uh, I've been saying it since 1987 that everybody gets two good years off cocaine until you hit the wall, and. When I look back on it, I mean, a lot. there's a lot of beautiful times. We had a lot of great discussions, yeah. a lot of fun, a lot of gigs, a lot of creativity. But eventually, if you get into it on every, uh, every level, which is like nightly, you hit the wall. David hit the wall, went through the wall, hit another wall, hit, yep. went through that wall, and then ended up way the in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when did you start? You to, know, I was going to say ahead. on that point is that... Uh, it, it was, you know, for me, as I say, a little kid from Mayberry, and uh, somebody was asking, like, well, how did, how often did you run with him? I said, no human being, maybe you could, Paul, no human being could keep up with him five, seven nights a week. No, no way. I said it was kind of like a um, a relay race. Yeah. You know, I'd have Wednesday night, Broward kick in on Thursday, right. maybe somebody else would pick him up for the weekend. Grab the baton. And, but he was going the whole time. Yeah. But... When he did his book, you know, he came around, and of course, you know, I'm thinking, what, what are you going to do? Another junkie memoir. I, this stuff's been done. Um, he said, ah, no, it's going to be different. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, fact-checking myself and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very pleased, and I told him when it came out that he had the fun factor in this book. Yeah. You understood reading it why... It's addictive. It's because right. he was and running with him. It was ridiculously great fun. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't just frat boys, you know, chasing chicks around. Right. Um, you know, there it was this interaction. You'd hit two, three, four bars, and Carr was. You he, come in and he's off on somebody, some character in the corner. Right. Soon that character is telling is part of our group, telling stories. You've met somebody, and the world's expanded. You know, I mean, we're we're bleary eyed. Right. We're practically incapable of walking anymore. Right. But uh, you know, something of substance has happened. Well, and and speaking of substance, the thing was, cocaine in the mid '80s was the currency. Yeah, yeah. It was. Everybody had it. I, I, you know, I tell people it was legal in Minneapolis, as far as I knew. <laughs> <laughs> So David goes through treatment. When did you start to see him come around? Um, well, I was, you know, the truth is when he when he went into treatment, we we did start. I mean, after he came out, we started to see more of each other because I remember he was in a halfway house of some sort when he got out, and then I think he ultimately moved to a, a place just off Lake Street and Pillsbury. Uh, yeah. uh, so sort of over by Horn Towers, the big tall right. housing project over there. And he still couldn't drive because of all the crap he'd done when he was, you know, when he was high. So there was this big guy and, uh, and I'd see him around town on a bicycle, big guy, sort right, of skinny right, legs, right. Right. and he'd be, he'd be toddling around on a bike. Like this was a guy, I, this was a guy seriously, uh, who used to drive me drunk 
through the rural roads of Wisconsin, sliding between ditches. Worst, dri- worst driver of all time. But absolutely the most <laughs> confident drunk driver oh, yeah. I've ever seen in my whole life. So, and that, by the way, was about the scariest thing I'd ever seen at the time. Uh, I don't think he ever owned a functioning automobile. (laughs) I mean, one that had actual working brakes and things like that. (laughs) But to see this guy like bicycling around, it was, um, it was odd, but you know, it was the beginning of seeing David humbled. More on the life and times of legendary journalist, David Carr on the last set of the wall of power radio hour. This is your host, Paul Metza taking us to the break as a song. David Carr and I dug quite a bit by Peter Himmelman. You want a fast way to save hundreds of dollars? It's easy with Rudy Luther Toyota. Start with the Luther Advantage card. With every new and used vehicle purchase, you'll get three years of 10 cents off per gallon of gas at Holiday Station stores, as well as discounted car washes. Plus, Rudy Luther offers two years of maintenance included with every new Toyota purchase. And remember, Rudy Luther Toyota wants to buy your cars and trucks, paying you top dollar. Find out how much you can save by visiting Rudy Luther Toyota today. The southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our secret animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Hey, Twin Cities, are you trying to move your side hustle to your main hustle? Having trouble leveling up your back office? Getting stuck on how to find investors so you can secure that bag? Then you need to come to Connect Up Summit Friday, March 13th, and Saturday, March 14th at Metro State in St. Paul. Connect Up is a two-day summit offering hands-on workshops and connects small businesses with each other, local investors, as well as other local and national resources in the Minnesota entrepreneur ecosystem. Connect Up sells out every year, so get your ticket today. Go to www.connectupmn.com. Tune in for Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. Coming up, is the self an illusion? Well, yeah. The self is nothing more than an ever-changing series of perceptions. So you're saying you don't exist? No, that's not what I was saying. What do you mean by I? Ah, is the self an illusion? Next time on Philosophy Talk. Philosophy Talk. Every Sunday at 8 a.m. and again at 2 p.m. on AM 950. If you're looking to save money on your home or building improvement project, check out Better Futures Minnesota's reuse retail warehouse in South Minneapolis. We carry salvage building materials such as cabinetry, flooring, plumbing fixtures, appliances, lighting, and more. Saving you money and saving the planet by keeping these items out of the landfill, by giving them another life. Selections change daily, and we also take donations. Go to betterfuturesminnesota.com and look under Reuse Warehouse to learn more. Let us know AM950 sent you. I'm Nick Slavic, proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I've been a craftsman for 25 years. You'll not find someone who loves their job more than me. The process of painting your home could not be easier. Go to nickslavic.com, click on the button, paint my walls, or paint my cabinets. I'll personally be in contact with you to get an estimate, either in-home or a free virtual estimate. We move furniture, vacuum, sweep, dust, and put your home back the way we found it. We're not like other contractors. All you want to do is catch the evening news, but the kids are in the middle of an epic gaming session. When watching the news isn't an option, listen with the TuneIn app. Hear local stories from AM 950 and national networks like MSNBC for free. Go to your app store to download TuneIn today.
back with the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We've been talking about the life and times of our good friend, legendary journalist David Carr. Back with me are David Brower, Jim Walsh, and Brian Lambert. And, you know, one of his flaws, a lot of us have it, but just not without the physical gifts that he has, is that, especially when he was a junkie, is... You know, he wouldn't take responsibility for stuff that was really his fault. And it was just painful, painful to watch. But by the time he was living in that that uh, house on Pillsbury, he was starting to come around. And, and one of the saddest things about his whole story to me is that as he was coming around, as he was getting himself straight for what ultimately was, he gets a diagnosis of Hodgkin's yeah. lymphoma. Right. And suddenly... I remember there, being in that house the day he got there. Wow. You know, really? Walking in. And what was that like? The lower like, part of that duplex. Yeah. And it was, uh, for some reason, I'm thinking it's winter. Maybe it was just, you know, I'm just painting that into the, the memory. But, um, you know, he was just agitated, pacing around. And he said, yeah, you know, I don't need this bleep. I don't need this bleep. And, right. this bleep. and he got a little upset. You know, he said, Brian, I, I don't want to talk about anything else. I just... Uh, and, um, but, you know, at, uh, I, 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 I was still callow youth at that point. I didn't right. know what exactly to say uh, to him. You know, um, you know, everybody that knew him had already been through the phases of you need help. Everybody's willing to help, David, yada, yada. And then now this. Right. And, On uh, top of it. I got to say, though, it was, you know, you've talked about some, I, I never had, the relationship I had with him was just a little bit different. I mean, I never worked, I wasn't really one of his peers. I right. mean, he quickly blew past me in a peer level, but it went by so fast and I was not an employee of his. So I, I do know there are people who've got some hard feelings, but all the years I know him, I never had a moment like that. Yeah. He, um, the one uh, sort of professional interaction that, that I had with him was, uh, he we he was editing the reader and I was at City Pages and I've never told this story but he uh, he he tried to steal me away and he said and and it, it was like he he had seen me at the Y at the Uptown Y I said well why me you know right. why why do you want me so I saw you playing basketball and I go yeah <laughs> and he goes and you laid that guy out at midcourt and I did it. Jimmy Petrovsky I broke this guy's ribs and I went in for the layup and he goes you're you're a really good writer and you're competitive <laughs> and Carr was very competitive very, right. very competitive <laughs> and, to the end and but that was a forward whole thing for him like like it was like I am gonna I'm gonna tell stories till I drop mm -hmm. that's what that's why it was so inspiring to me I mean I just when I heard he died I was like you know, dude, you had, I know he had stories he was working on. Now I have a personal story to tell about my good friend, David Carr, a man I was honored to know. 30 years ago, when David was in the jungle of chemical addiction, I wrote him a song called Drifting Away. I lost the lyrics. I was able to tell David last spring when he stopped in at a gig of mine when he was in Minneapolis about the song, and I told him if I would ever find the lyrics, I would record it and send it to him. Lo and behold, last Wednesday, I was looking for my checkbook, and I went into a drawer that I rarely go into, and I saw a crumpled up piece of paper. I picked it up. There were the five verses to the song I wrote almost 30 years ago called Drifting Away. David passed away a day after I found the song. I recorded it this afternoon, and I send it up through the spheres to my late, great, wonderful friend, Mr. David Carr.
engineered by Brad Kanamer and recorded at the Minneapolis Media Institute. We're celebrating our second anniversary next week. Tune in for some new shows. Follow us on Facebook at Wallop Power Radio Hour, online at wallopowerradio.com. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.